Green Team Academy podcast, episode 28. My top five mental health tools and new needs after death in the family. If you're ready to become an eco-leader in your community, then you're in the right place. I'm Joan Gregerson, and I work to help teams make a big impact fast. Don't forget to head over to greenteamacademy.com to get your very own Green Team Essentials. I put these together for you because this is exactly what I wished I had had when I was starting out. Join our fabulous community, download the free guide to 12 common but easily avoidable mistakes, and hop into our podcast discussion group. I can't wait to meet you there. And now, let's get started. Hey, Green Team, what's up? We're going to be talking about something pretty different today, and that is mental health. Over the last couple of weeks, when I was out in my car, I've been listening to bits and pieces of an interview on Colorado Public Radio with Adam Caton Holland, and he is discussing his book, which is called Tragedy Plus Time, where he is looking back at his relationship with his sister and her suicide. One of the things he talked a lot about is that as kids, they had a lot of issues. They had OCD, they were in therapy a lot. And as he's going through his life and having opportunities like being invited to move out to California, he looks at everything through the lens of how is this going to impact my mental health? And I thought that was such a great message because with the important work that, especially that we're talking about here in the Green Team Academy, the important work that we want to do, this is all based on us being able to get out there and do things. If we're not strong physically, we're not strong mentally and emotionally, we're not going to be able to do this stuff. I also ran across a recent episode of Amy Porterfield's podcast, her online marketing made easy, where she is talking about dealing with depression in honor of World Mental Health Day, which is October 10th. So I thought that's a great idea. Let's talk about mental health today. A few years ago, I wrote a book called Tuning In to Inner Peace, The Surprisingly Fun Way to Transform Your Life. In that book, I summarized what the key things were that were helping me at that point. And I would say the number one is this ability to feel calm and lucky in pretty much any situation. So if I'm opening my closet and it looks like a mess, finding a way to be at peace with that rather than beating myself up. So saying, wow, look at all these amazing things that you've put together in here, Joan. And you're so lucky you have a closet. And you're so lucky you have an apartment. And I can just go on and on with that to, to as Deepak Chopra says in one of his videos, if you're not astounded that you're here on the planet and that you have this opportunity to live, then you're not really awake. You're not really aware. And so I feel like I do pretty well as far as being astounded and and feeling lucky and calm in pretty much any situation. My second tool is realizing that I really love to use nature as a healer. And I count on that. If I am starting to feel kind of anxious, it's often something that I can solve by spending time in the park or in the mountains or 
in the in swimming or taking a walk in botanic gardens. And I realized that first when I was living in South Korea, because there was so little nature there, and having moved there from Colorado, where I was just naturally surrounded by it, that I learned that I needed to really get out there every week and take a nice long walk in one of their mountain parks in order to handle the upcoming week. So that's the second one, nature as healer. The third is exercise as stress reducer. When I don't exercise regularly, my body starts to ache. And mentally, I'm asking myself, what are you doing, Joan? You feel like crap, and you know that you'd feel so much better if you just get out there, go to Zumba, go to yoga, go take a walk. So those are the three that I think that I've used pretty good the last several years. More recently, I've been proactively saying no to anything that doesn't feel like a fabulous fit. Even just something like the car mechanic. I've been taking my car to the same place for quite a while and really loved it. But over the last few times that I talked to them, I didn't really like the way I was being talked to. And when I brought my car in, I didn't like what they suggested. So I went and found another car mechanic. Those are kinds of things that I would have, it seems small, but I would have just settled in the past and and had it causing anxiety. If it's not a fabulous fit, not going with it. I also did that with three different job interviews in this 2018 period where I was going through the process and I liked what I heard initially, but when I got to a point with a couple of them, I thought that the leadership team, it seemed kind of dysfunctional maybe, the relationships at the top, and and another one, just the way the schedule and the pay worked out, it just didn't seem ideal. It didn't seem fabulous enough for me to to put my mental health in jeopardy with these situations. So I feel like I was doing pretty good with all of those. But then in the last couple of years, things happened that really changed where I found out that I needed something more. Two years ago now, my mom passed away. And just in March of 2018, my sister passed away. Both of these were my main conversationalists in the week. They were the ones that were always calling and wanting to talk for hours. And I have to say that initially I was kind of relieved to have the extra space in my week. And it, it, was, it had been a lot to manage before. But I also realized that without that in my life, I, I had a void So let me tell you a little bit more about what I learned with my sister. My sister had struggled on and off for quite a while with drinking, but she and her husband were a tight duo and they really seemed to support each other, love each other, and had a strong relationship in a lot of ways. But after he passed away about five years ago, things started to change for her where she started having a lot more health issues and probably mental health issues as well, just depression and having a really hard time functioning on her own. But then last summer, things seemed to be taking a turn for her. She got reunited with her daughter that her and her husband had given up at birth. She had a swimming pool installed at her house, something that she had been talking about for decades. 
And it it just seemed like the combination of those two things, and she had gone back to her volunteering positions, that things seemed to be really taking a turn for the better for her. She had ended up in the hospital the previous year, and she had been recommended to have a case manager, somebody checking on her every week, and she had rejected that help. So when it came around to the same season, around the holidays and uh, the anniversary of my mom's death, and then leading into her husband's birthday, all the weight of all those things, she confided in her doctors that she was just reeling in depression. And so what we saw was her spiraling into the depression and the isolation and deception. So we would call and say, what's going on? And and she would fabricate stories about, oh, you know, this person is coming over and has stayed with me for a few days. And and tomorrow another person's going to come over and bring me some food and stay with me. And none of that was true. As we pieced together the story, it seems like there was about eight weeks where she was pretty much alone and barely functioning. And it was a miracle that her neighbor found her and that she got into the hospital and she was there for two weeks before she passed away. And those last two weeks were so magical because in the hospital, the door is not locked to her room. So we could knock and then just walk in. And so many people poured in and told her how important she was in their lives and how much they loved her and cared about her. And we were able to hug her and kiss her. And it was, it was truly amazing. What I took away from that whole experience was that I'm not sure if she wanted to continue to live or not. I mean, there were plenty of signs that showed either one, that that she was on her way out. But then again, there were those positive things that happened that were pretty convincing as far as reuniting with her daughter and getting her swimming pool in. So I think that had she been able to ask for help, had she been able to receive help that she could have turned things around. And so for me, what I've been doing ever since is proactively asking for help. (laughs) I realized that that is one thing that I did not teach, that I, I did not teach my daughters, I did not know for myself that asking for help is a sign of strength. So shortly after her death and partly due to the activities around that, my finances were kind of a mess. Instead of struggle through that alone, I went out and I asked my daughter for a loan. And I'm not talking about $20. I'm talking about something with a comma and several zeros. So it's in the thousands. And she immediately said, yes, because mommy, I don't want you to stress out about money. And the funny thing is that I had seen times in the past when my daughters went through things where they could have asked for help and they didn't. And so that's what I'm saying, that this more proactively asking for help and modeling it as a source of strength. And so I've taken this to extremes because in part, now that I've lost both my mom and my sister as these main conversationalists in my week, 
I have this extra time now and I can see myself easily leaning into this isolation and depression that has been manifest in my family. And so in order to avoid that and to getting back to that proactively protecting my mental health, that I am out there asking for help. It's actually been really funny, but as I feel myself falling into that isolation and not getting enough human contact, I'm like, okay, what can I do? Who can I ask to help me? That's everything from getting all those little things taken care of, like going to the dentist, getting my teeth cleaned, getting new vision insurance, and I went and got an eye exam, I went and got my flu shot, I took my car to a new mechanic, I took a few day jaunts up to Glenwood Springs, swam in the hot springs pool. When I'm doing a juice detox, instead of making all the juice myself, I went out and got some different flavors and varieties from the juice shop. I went and got a massage. I started going back to my African drumming and singing lessons again. And I'm interviewing for a business coach and a virtual assistant. I'm more proactive about calling friends, and I could do more of that still. All of this wrapped together, what I'm working to build is a personal care plan where I have the routine set up so I'm getting the right amount of human contact and the right amount of self-care and love in my days and my weeks and my months. So that's what I wanted to talk about with you today was these are my mental health tools. And I think over time that your toolkit has to evolve. But starting with that idea that my mental health is my job number one and that everything else is going to rest on me being strong emotionally and mentally. So I need to really focus on those. So my top five tools are number one is to feel calm and lucky in pretty much any situation. Number two, using nature as healer. Three, exercise as stress reducer. Four, say no to anything that doesn't feel like a fabulous fit. And five, ask for help. I'm leaving links to all the resources that I mentioned in the show today. And I urge you to check all of them out, but especially the World Mental Health Day site, where they're saying that half of all mental illness begins by the age of 14. There is a growing recognition of the importance of building mental resilience, which is what we're talking about today, and that prevention begins with better understanding. So here's to having more conversations and more focus on mental health. So what are some of the strategies that you use and ways that you keep yourself from spiraling out of control? Love to hear more about that. So let's chat about it over in the podcast discussion group. Thanks so much for tuning in. And remember, the time for action is now because there is no planet B. See you soon. You, my friend, are doing such important work. Caring about the planet and trying to figure out how to make an impact fast. You're exactly the kind of person that our world needs more of. To make sure that you're not wasting your precious time or energy, make sure you head over to greenteamacademy.com check out the expert trainings that are available, and get your green team essentials so you'll get the support you need. Thank you for everything you're doing, and I'll see you right back here next time on the Green Team Academy podcast.